Hi, everybody. Today's guest on the podcast is Kara Head Slaughter. She is my friend and former teammate in Olympic weightlifting. She, however, is a 2000 Olympian. <laughs> I am not. Kara is the founder of CH Fitness and Performance, the head coach of CHFP Weightlifting in Arlington, Virginia. She is a USA Weightlifting International coach and most recently inducted into the USA Weightlifting Hall of Fame. She is one of the most sought-after weightlifting coaches in the D.C. metro region. She provides guidance to over 100 athletes and coaches each week. She's had an 18-year career as an elite weightlifter, earning two junior and eight senior national championship titles, setting numerous junior and American records, and representing Team USA at six world championships. Throughout her career, Kara was provided the unique opportunity to train at Top USA Weightlifting Regional Training Center, and she was a resident athlete at the training center. Kara is also one of the nicest, most genuine people I have ever met in my entire life, hands down. I mean that, and we talk about that as well. So I appreciate Kara so much, and her time and her energy and just her presence is always such a joy. So I hope you all enjoy this episode with Kara Heads Slaughter. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 Hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Welcome to a live uh, podcast of the same 24 hours. This is my friend, Kara Headslaughter, who is a 2000 Olympian. We were weightlifting buddies. We trained together. I was not near the athlete she was, is probably. I've been watching her feats on <laughs> Instagram, still, still doing awesome stuff. But she's the founder of CH Fitness and Performance, the head coach of CHFP Weightlifting in Arlington, Virginia, a USA Weightlifting International coach. And this year, she is a USA Weightlifting Hall of Fame inductee. So welcome, Kara. How does it <laughs> feel to be in the so Hall good. of Fame? <laughs> you know, wow. it's pretty incredible. You know, it, it's um, it's an honor, and and to just think like that, my career was was recognized in 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 this way. Um, it's I feel honored. Yeah. Yeah, well, well deserved. I'll tell you that. So, everyone, <laughs> Kara you. is like the nicest person. My husband, so my husband Jason, he he's James, but Jason, that's another story for another day. So we all train together, and we still talk about Kara Heads, Kara Head Slaughter, as being the nicest, kindest, most human, most amazing human we've ever known. <laughs> like in the Atwood <laughs> House, you you have that Hall of Fame because you are always so just kind and compassionate and you always led from a place of kindness and like integrity and so I just we really think so highly of you I mean from our hearts so thank oh, you for no. joining today 
And you're oh, funny. Well, just thank you for sharing and that with me. Or <laughs> <laughs> corny. Or corny. <laughs> so you have oh, a great, um, you have a great story because you came, I remember when you first came to Savannah and when we were lifting and you were from California and that was very interesting to me because I had never left Georgia. <laughs> um, but you were a track <laughs> athlete, right? You were um, you, right. track and field. Um, so tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. how you got into weightlifting and, and the evolution of that. Sure. I, I was a track and field um uh, field because I was a thrower um, in high school. I did uh, shot put and discus um, and I also played basketball. But basically, I was just lifting in order to get stronger for shot put and discus. You know, um, I, you can't tell, but I'm, I'm five, two and a half, so I'm not very tall. Um, <laughs> and most of the throwers were, were taller or larger than than I was, or my sister for that matter, because we were both doing it. And um, our coach was like, you're going to need to lift weights to be stronger and more explosive, you know, and and potentially get a scholarship for, for the throwing events and you know how to go to college. And so we started doing the snatch um, and the clean and the jerk in high school. So I was 13 years old in Newport Beach, California, um, learning the lifts in the football weight room. Yeah. With the football players <laughs> and they love that football players love it when you lift with them by the way i have experience with that too <laughs> but we we um we were we were welcomed i don't know that anyone really knew what to do with it like right uh, but it, it was uh it was it was positive if anything i was the one who was uncomfortable because i was very clear that i was you know which one of these does not belong <laughs> so i was like Okay, I, I just had to get comfortable with the fact that this is how it was going to be. And then more girls started doing shot put. So we had a small group eventually of girls, um, female throwers, and they were in the weight room. So it was maybe four, four of us. As right. Wait, um, was the other one of the four your sister? So it was you, your sister, yes. and two other? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she, is Gina is older? Is Gina older sister? Yeah. Okay. yeah. You're older. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I knew y'all were. How many months apart are you? 15 months apart, so pretty close. Um, I've got two that are 14 months apart. I know what that did to oh, your really? mama. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a quick turnaround. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so you started. So I didn't realize you were that young when you started lifting. Hmm. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like I ever wanted, thought to myself, I'm going to be a competitive weightlifter. I was really just right. doing it to, to, to get better at throwing. And so then, then one day my coach was like, Ah, you know, you guys, you ladies can be pretty good. Why don't we enter this, this local meet? And I was like, you can compete in this. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. Okay. And all I knew is it made my hands hurt and like my collarbones were all banged up and those sorts of things. Um, and for and context, everyone, like this was way before CrossFit made it cool to like, you know, lift weights. Like no one knew what you were doing. I mean, when we used to do like the American Open '94 was like in a Ramada Inn somewhere, and in the ballroom. <laughs> exactly. You know, nobody did. Nobody did this stuff. So now it's more mainstream, and I think social media has helped develop it. But yeah, you were like, who knew we could Absolutely. do this? I did not know. And 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 to your point, Meredith, about nothing. Like there, there was no culture for this, right? So. Mm -mm. We, we, we had to wear singlets and so my coach was like okay well we'll get the boys wrestling singlets 
and you you'll wear those competitions. So that's what we did. We wore the the wrestling singlets that go all the way down, and not these cute singlets that that ladies right. do these days. It was like all I could think about was this ugly singlet I was wearing. <laughs> With no legs, right? Did, well, no, the wrestling singlets had um, legs. They had the, legs, right. The first one that Michael Cohen put me in, in 1994, for a high school clean jerk competition, no he's like, I think his mom was sewing them. And she, he's like, here, you wear this. And I'm like, okay. And then I looked at it, I was like, I wear this where? Like, where? Oh, in a gym with fluorescent <laughs> lights, walking downstairs to a platform where I squat. Got it. Legless swimsuit. Right. Go lift weights. <laughs> Why? Exactly. I mean, I'm I surprised I didn't like... sleep. <laughs> for sure. Okay, for sure. So you... I mean, I had the same feelings about the singlets because I eventually put those on too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how was your first competition? It was fine. It was really small. Like now we have these meets with, you know, over a thousand people at, at competitions, but that, that, and that, those are kind of regional national level meets, but there were maybe, I don't know, six or seven people in the competition and it was all boys, um, except for myself and my sister. And, um, I don't remember much about it. It just kind of felt like we were training and, uh, and waiting for the down signal. I'm like, okay, now, now I understand that this is a sport. And then the second competition was actually outside at Venice Beach, which is where I met one of my really good friends now. Um, but she was coached by Coach Mike Bergner. And they, you know Bergner. Yes, yes. And Coach B. Um, coach B. So um, Abby and Coach B came there. And that's where I met one of my lifelong friends um, at my second competition. And we were out by the beach on a platform doing a weightlifting meet. And then, then this is like, okay, well maybe I'll do this. And we did that. Um, and then my coach said, let's go to, let's consider going to junior nationals. And that's when I first saw team Savannah Meredith where, oh. so we lifted for team Savannah, right? Um, that's where we met when I moved to Savannah, Georgia, but before I moved to Savannah, Georgia, I saw that, there were other girls doing it. There were some more of us. <laughs> <laughs> there were more. And and you guys weren't like just exercising, like training. And I was like, I just hadn't seen anything like that before. Um, so that just kind of, I guess, alerted me to this idea like, oh, this is a sport that people take seriously. And yeah, and so we just kept going from there. And then you took it real seriously. So I have a funny story about Coach B. So Stella, my daughter, and I went to the CrossFit Games in last year, I guess, to, you know, spectate. And Coach B was doing a weightlifting seminar. And I went over to the MC and I said, can I have the mic? Because <laughs> I want to say something to Coach B. And he was like, um, and I told him who I was. And he said, oh, okay, yeah. And so when it's, I actually introduced him. And so I told um, the audience, I said, so this is a, a million dollar question. If coach Bergner can recognize who I am and I knew he couldn't, but, um, I, so I said, hi, coach B. I said, you may not remember me, but I, you know, and I told him and he goes, you are the biggest pain in my ass. <laughs> what he said to me. <laughs> he remembered me. And I was like, yes, but that was so funny. But he did, he did remember me once I told him, you know, who I was, but that was, that was yeah. like immediately. He's like, oh yeah, I remember you. You were a pain. <laughs> I, was like, 
I know I was. I'm sorry. Um, okay, oh, so when goodness. did you move to Savannah? Like, what year was that? Where? What age were you? So that was you were like 17, uh, 97. Yeah, I was like, yeah, about 17, right? Because um, I, I was a freshman at UC Berkeley, and I was actually I was recruited for track there, but didn't get a scholarship. And so they said, hey, let's see how you perform, and then we'll consider giving you a scholarship. Well, I did well and got third in the Pac-10 in the first year that they had hammered competitions in college for women. And so I had earned, essentially earned a scholarship after that um, third place finish at the Pac-10. Um, that was at UCLA. And um, then from there, oh God, I just lost my train of thought. What would you ask me? <laughs> just when you moved to Savannah. That's okay. Just when you moved to Savannah. Because I'm trying to connect like so oh, I'm yeah, trying to remember. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it. It's fine. Totally related. Here, here I come. Here I come. <laughs> so, um, so I'm now I have to make this decision, right? Like I'm like, okay, I've got this scholarship, but now um, I had uh, could qualify for the junior world team. And um, at that point, I think there was just like a few months left to train. I had hurt my back throwing. Um, and so I've taken some time off and then I was like, I'm just going to go down for the summer and right, right. see about making this junior world team. Right. Like it's like awesome opportunities. My last year as a junior and kind of talk, try to talk my dad into it. Who was like, and I totally understand, but like really education is super important in our family. Um, and I had to like, Hey, I'm just going down for the summer dad. Can I please go? I want to try to make this junior world team. Um, and my mom and dad talked and we arrived at a decision. I was able to go for the summer, but I was going back to, I was supposed to be going back to UC Berkeley no matter what after that. Um, so I go down there, meet all of you. Um, and you never went back. <laughs> I never went back. Because like, basically what happened was I competed at that junior world in Cape Town, South Africa. I won a bronze medal and I was like, oh, wait. Like, what's going on at the senior world level? Like, what's possible here? So then I was like, hey, mom and dad, oh, I really, I feel really good about this. I, I think I'm onto something here. Of course, they support me 100%. Um, but so I, I talked them into staying. I, I stayed. And then eventually, um, I think it was in 1998. Yeah, 1998 is when it was announced that women could compete in the 2000 Olympics. And I was like, well, world championships. <laughs> I want to do everything, like whatever the top was. And I was like, now it's the Olympics. So now well, I And yeah, I mean, it's important to, to note that little tidbit. Just 10 years ago, women's weightlifting was not in the Olympics. They had men's right. weightlifting. And so right. the first year was 2000 for women to compete. And so mm -hmm. what was that journey like? So you had two years. Well, I, did you have like a year? Is trials like a year before the actual games? Um, it wasn't that far in advance. Yeah. The, the trials, I, I want to say it was within six months um, to qualify because that was down in New Orleans. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. drunkest I've ever been in my life <laughs> was when Jason and I came to see you guys compete at trials. <laughs> and yeah, there was a lot got, to celebrate there. Yeah, well, I got, you know, I should have gotten sober after that event, but <laughs> it took me another 20 years before I did. <laughs> hey, we, um, man, if we get it when we get it, right? <laughs> it just takes me a while. I'm a, little, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> 
So you qualified. Um, well, let's talk about Worlds. Your first Worlds was 98. Your first senior Worlds. Is that right? Yeah, that was in La- yeah, that was in Lati, Finland. And uh, I placed fourth there. But, but what was kind of interesting about that story is that I was tied with the, the woman for bronze. And at that point, body weight actually... You could win. Um, but remember back when body weight was the thing where if you tie with the lighter the, lifter, the lighter lifter got the credit. So, so um, she lifted, I think, after, yeah. She, so I basically placed fourth and I thought to myself, gosh, you know, okay, like here I am shortly after my junior career and I'm, I'm just off the podium. Um, and, and then, and then they said the Olympics was a possibility. So, it was an, it was just an incredible journey. I think at every at every major event, um, I was just excited to be a part of it and just really believe like I want to try to be the best I can be at this sport. Like it was really it was really that simple, and I was really enjoying all of it. Like yeah. I don't know about you, Meredith, but like I loved going in the gym, putting my bag down, and just thinking about how I'm going to attack these workouts. Like I was. I was so into the workouts. I wish I had the energy now. <laughs> you were so incredible to watch. And like, I keep, I, I tell Jason all the time, I was like, I wish I could take my current 40 year old self and inject the person I have become mentally from, I think, triathlon into the pathetic 16 year old weight lifter who used to throw temper tantrums. You know what I mean? Because I didn't have that mindset. I didn't have that, like, and I had a lot of other issues going on at home and stuff. It, but I mean, I just didn't have the wherewithal to realize what a gift it was, what an opportunity I had to to, to de- develop myself into an athlete. So I would go to the gym and, and be terrified. I'm like, oh God, I have to lift things today. Like I just had a different, but I remember watching you and I remember watching Cheryl and you two were just like, I mean, you had fun but you had, you were machines and it was like, you walked in the gym, you were super friendly. And then it was like, initiate the sequence. (laughs) Like, and then you were like in and I was, and I admired it so much, but I could never, I, I, I chose to never develop it, I guess. I, but I, at the time I was like, why don't I have that skill? Why is everything so hard? Why me? Um, and I know a lot of it was, um, pressure that I just put on myself from my, you know, just, it just was all a hot mess for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I could see it in you. And so when you say, yeah, I just wanted to go kill that workout. I'm like, yes, she speaks truth. I've, I witnessed this. <laughs> but also think about too, like you were essentially in your backyard. There's like, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to bump for you a little bit, even though you're already saying the reasons why and you own them all. Right. But here I am. I'm like, I have to basically make the case for, why moving there was a good decision yeah as you know my dad had like all the right intentions about ensuring that his daughter you know had a good education and I was in you know a really good school my sister was across the way at Stanford and it was like you you girls are getting your you're getting your education and so knowing I think that this is going to be short-lived and knowing that I needed to accomplish something also yeah some of that focus and intensity. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. So um, my senior year of high school, I got invited to go live at the Olympic training center and my parents would not hear the case. They would not entertain it. 
it was, they completely shut it down for me. And I didn't realize that was the beginning of the end of weightlifting for me. And I didn't realize it until a lot of therapy later that, um, that opportunity that I wasn't heard to be able to make a case to experience what you did, maybe, you know, go in a different environment, really learn all of this. And they were like, no, you're going to finish your senior year of high school. Like, does it really matter what year, where I graduate high school, looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh. I, and so I didn't realize I was <laughs> so mad. <laughs> and, and like from there, weightlifting just kind of fell off for me. I was like, whatever, I'm not doing. And I remember the last <laughs> competition I lifted in, um, I snatched like 87 kilos and you know, the Nesbitt spread being 10 kilos always. Um, <laughs> I did, I missed the jerk on 95 kilos and I did it. I missed it like purposely three times. I remember being there. I was like, I'm so done with this sport and I'm done with these people I live with. And I'm and like, I remember it. And I was like, I'm out of here. And I cleaned out my locker. I was gone. And I never like looked back, <clears throat> but it was interesting. Cause I, I never had, I, I traced it back to, the the stifling of that opportunity for me and like really? yes That's so and, interesting but i had like buried it i buried it went to college drank for 20 years <laughs> and like just yeah. and it wasn't until um i walked in a gym a crossfit gym and they're like today we're doing snatches and i was like oh no <laughs> like 20 years later have not touched a barbell and they're like we're doing yeah. snatches today and i thought and i had like ptsd <laughs> I the first day I lived, I was like, oh my God. But then I, it like came, the technique is weird and, and you haven't experienced it because you haven't stepped out of it. But after 20 years that the technique was, I mean, it was older and my knees hurt, but it, it was oh, still, yeah. I had muscle memory Same. and, um, and, and so it was just interesting. I was like, gosh, I really did love the sport. I just didn't have the tools mm -hmm. at the time to like, yeah. And so it's been a weird morning process for me. And, um, so anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but um, just to tell my own story, because I want to, because this is my podcast, I do what I want. I don't <laughs> <laughs> and you can, and you can. <laughs> oh my gosh. So let's talk about um, yeah. the Olympics. Oh my gosh, Kara. How, like, what was the journey to that? What was trials like for you? Um, just like, take us on that journey. Yeah, so... I can't believe that was 20 years ago. Like the 2000 Olympics. Sometimes I cannot believe that I went to the Olympics 20 years ago. Um, yeah. But, you know, what I remember the most um, are two things. The opening ceremonies. So there is no other experience that's like the opening ceremonies. Like I can't think of anything I've ever done or will do that will replicate that. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe something like a, like a historical march, right? Mm. There's a right. I can see that yeah. as meaningful uh, in a different way, but like outside of that, like the momentum, the energy around that ceremony is so enormous. Um, and I just remember thinking when we were walking around the track and our USA blazers with the little hats and a little scarf and the long blue skirt that made me look even shorter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just said to myself, I want to take this all in and I feel like I'm not going to have enough time to do it. Like, and, and I remember they told us, they said, you cannot take video cameras in. And I was like, oh, I need to video this. And I, and of course being the rule follower that I am, I didn't bring one. And then I saw all these athletes with cameras, all 
Me too. I would have been there. I was like, I have my camera. And then like, there comes Cheryl. Cheryl probably pulled hers out. And she's like, whatever. Yeah. I remember I was like, I just want to like figure out how to preserve this feeling in this moment. Um, That's why I was really just trying to be present. Like I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time, but I was just trying to take it all in. And um, I saw different athletes. Like I saw Serena Williams and I saw, um, actually knew Marion Jones from basketball camp. I saw her there. Um, you just, you're looking around and, um, and you're like, man, I am a part of this fraternity sorority now. Like that moment you go, I, I hold all these other athletes, you know, on a pedestal and here I am marching around the track for them. So it was like, it was a really humbling experience and one that I'll never forget. And then I would say the second, um, I'm going to say three things. The second thing is um, being in the Olympic village mm. is like, again, you're walking around, you're seeing athletes, that, like high profile athletes, you know, a lot of them, some stayed in hotels, but just to see, again, being amongst your peers, this elite group of athletes all over the world, whether you're going to the dining hall and interacting, or you're going to sports medicine in the village, you're just kind of taking a walk because you're not supposed to be doing a lot of stuff except train and rest. Right. And so, eating. <laughs> <laughs> and eating, right. Eat, sleep, and train. Um, so I think just kind of taking in the village and realizing that was going to be something that I was not going to have access to ever again because um, I actually never had aspirations to coach. So I thought it was just going to be, this is it, you know, nor did I know I would do another, try to make a, a run at a couple more. Um, and then the last thing I think is seeing my, my family in the stands. Um, not that it's in priority. My priority is the order I put it in, but just looking up in the stands and seeing them all there, it was, it was so powerful. Um, like we needed, it took a lot for my family to get there. Let me, let me put it that way. Cause this was Sydney, so, right? Wasn't it Sydney 2000? Yeah. 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 This is in Sydney. And so, to just share that moment with them was really, really powerful. And I'll never forget it. Like it's, it's burned in my, in my mind, like just seeing them with their face painted in the stands. It's like, my family's got me, like no matter what, they're going to be there. And that's, I realized that that's not a given for everybody. And yeah. that it's, it's really special. Yeah. It's really special. Yeah. So, well, let's tell the audience your best lifts because this is where people go, what? So best lift, <laughs> lifetime lift, gym or competition, which you, knowing you is probably in competition. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so in the snatch, it was 102.5. That's when we used 0.5 as opposed to just one kilo jumps. We used 2.5 kilo jumps. So 102.5 kilos, which was like, what, 222? So snatching from ground to overhead, 102.5 kilos. And then that was the most I'd done in training or comp. So it was in competition. And then um, in training, my best clean was 132. And my best jerk, kilos. And my best jerk was 137 kilos. So I have to do the math on those. But it's um, uh, times 2.2. <laughs> um hold on let's do that <laughs> i know so you said what wait what was your best clean clean and jerk um clean and jerk was 127.5 times i can usually yeah. do 280 pounds everyone 280 pounds 
Yeah, as in your body weight was like what, 160? <laughs> like 160 um, pounds? Between 69 and 75. It just depended on where I was in my career. Right. Between the two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So lots of weight, lots of weight. Yeah. It's always the shock factor. You want to tell people those numbers and that, because you hear weight lifter, people are like, oh, okay. But yeah, no, she picked it up off the ground and put it over her head. <laughs> so really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get involved in coaching? Like what happened? Because you said you made another run. You made another run at the 2004 Olympics. And did you try 2008 as well? Yes, both. Um, so I was an alternate for the 2004 Olympics and an alternate for the 2008 Olympics as well. Okay. The, the year that we went, the year of 2004, like in 2000, we had four women. In 2008, we had four women. But in 2004, we only had two, two women. And so I was a third ranked woman where the way that we got those slots was by performances and points at the world championships. So that would determine if we were going to get all four slots, three slots, two slots, or just one slot. So that happened to be a quad where we weren't performing as well at the world championships. So we only got two Olympic slots. And so had we got a full four, full team of four, then I could have been a two time Olympian, but I was third. So I was an alternate on a two woman team. Yeah. And then in 2008, I was fifth on a four uh, woman team. So wow, that's got that's that stinks. That's got to just be an annoying thing. In your, <laughs> have you dealt with that? Because I'd still be yeah. mad about that. <laughs> I mean, it would be nice to be to be called a two-time Olympian, but it didn't shake out that way. So yeah, it's it. it, it I feel like it, and labs were based on team performances. <laughs> I feel like, and it really matters what I think about Olympic slots, but I feel like if you're the alternate, I feel like if you are on the team and you get to go, like you can be an Olympian. Like, I feel like you should be able to own three-time Olympian. Mm. Sorry. Mm. That's what I feel like. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you, it doesn't matter. That's what I think. Nobody cares. Um, that's really awesome, though. So awesome. All right. So let's shift to Thanks. coaching. You said you never thought that was, like, on the table for you. Like, what, what did it look like after, like, when did you start coaching? While you were still training? Um, I did some coaching in Savannah with a couple of the kids programs, but I, I, I never did like a focus. I was never a full-time coach, but at that time by any means. Um, and then in 2010, maybe nine, um, I, I saw that weightlifters were coaching crossfitters. Like, former weightlifters were coaching CrossFitters on their snatch and clean jerk technique. And I was like, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> there might be something here. And so, because for those of you that aren't that familiar with the history of weightlifting, I mean, it's just people were not interested in learning how to do a snatch, a clean or a jerk, unless you were in the sport or maybe you were a football player or like I was a track athlete or someone trying to build explosive strength. So it was usually sitting as aid to, to those types of athletes to support their training. So unless you were going to get a job at a university to be the strength and conditioning coach for a sport team, um, there really weren't a lot of opportunities to, to coach Olympic weightlifting. And, and even if we 
even if I had gone that route, it wasn't just Olympic weightlifting. It was the full strength and conditioning experience. And I was like, I'm pretty clear that I just want to coach weightlifting. <laughs> if, if I was doing it, I would just want to coach weightlifting and I would want to take athletes um, to the highest level they were capable of achieving. Right. So then, um, Oh my gosh, Meredith, get me out of here. Where was I? Are you is it, you is it need to eat lunch? lunch. <laughs> I was going to say, go get your lunch and eat it. It's fine. We do what no, we no, want I'm here. Good, I get. No, no, just about how how did you like coaching. decide coaching, coaching was your career? I mean, because you, you made the, yeah. the transition and yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just learned to just stop talking when I lose my train of thought. So just bear with me all. Um, so uh, I just another podcast right before this for an hour and a half. Uh, so, um, I, it was very intense. Unlike this. <laughs> yeah, it was very intense. It's about current climate, if you will. Uh, so anyway, uh, I was like, okay, I am going to try a clinic and just maybe see who shows up. And I'm like, I'm going to teach snatch clean and jerk technique. See who shows up. And I filled the clinic and I was like, Oh, okay. There's, there's some demand here. And then, so that was in Long Beach, California. At the time I was living in Long Beach, I grew up in Southern California, I had moved back there and all that. And then, um, and then I met my husband and he was in Washington, DC or Arlington, Virginia, which is where I am now. I think you see where the story is going. And (laughs) it was like, uh, you might want to come out here and think about coaching out here. Um, and and I gave it a shot. I was like, hey, I'll teach a clinic at the nearest CrossFit gym to wherever you live. And let's just see what happens. And that worked as well. And so um, eventually I made the move. And so now I'm coaching full-time in Arlington, Virginia. We see outside of COVID-19 and quarantine, <laughs> we saw um, about 100 athletes a week focused strictly on Olympic weightlifting. Wow. Um, Sometimes wow. they want to learn technique, right, Meredith? Is yes, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. I was like, wow. Totally and I was different. like, no, really, like legit. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's just not what. That's not what we knew. You know. Mm. What's really been a catalyst, I think, to some of the success that we've had at CHFP is is the climate of you know, eager athletes really wanting to learn about the technique of these lifts. And, um, and here in, in DC in particular, I feel like there's just, um, well, maybe it's not unique to this space, but it's dense. Number one, it's really dense. Number two, um, there's just a lot of people that want to learn, you know? And so, um, the, at, at CHFP, we have, open gym where people can come out and just drop weights whether they want to coach or not we have coaches they we have um group coaching which is really popular you train with a select group of folks at a particular time you come in at the same time um my competitive team trains there um we have athletes um at the youth junior senior and international level um i'm traveling the what world. about masters you didn't say Jeez. masters Absolutely. Master's level as well. And we have some master's level for anyone who doesn't know is anyone who's over. I don't actually know the age, but like old fogies, like 35, the old fogies starting (laughs) at 35. (laughs) Once you need lots of knee wraps. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, so Jason and I laugh. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. There's like a delay and I forget. um, There's like a delay, but I was just going to say that Jason and I, you know, when you're young and spry, like we were, you know, 16, 18, you (laughs) see like the older lifters come in and you're like, oh my gosh, it takes them like 30 minutes to warm up. And then they hold their body together with knee wraps. And what's with all the tiger balm, you know? And, and, and now like when I started lifting again, a couple of years ago, I, I was like, oh my God, it's happened. You know, I, I'd taken right. 30 minutes to warm up and I'm like, and then at, when I was at <coughs> CrossFit garage in Atlanta, I was like, oh, my elbow is killing me. And I the head coach there came over to me. She's like, do you need some tiger balm? <laughs> and she had it. And oh I was like, goodness. oh no, it's happened. <laughs> it's happened. I am a mess. Oh my God. And there's nothing wrong with it. But when oh, you're like, goodness. 16 and you you see these older people lifting you're like what is wrong with them why can't they bend down and like there's my snatch and i'm barely a parallel and it's happened and it's hilarious um but i just my (laughs) it's just so funny and then like i went to war on on um 70 kilos like i for a year and a half trying to get a 70 kilo snatch and i was like as soon as i lift this i'm done And I went to Jared Enderton's clinic and I was like, this is the day today. I'm going to do it. I didn't do it. And so finally, when we moved to Kansas, there was some CrossFit workout and I was like, today's the day I'm doing this because I can't do it anymore. And I hit a hideous 70 kilo snatch, dropped the weight. And I was like, no more Olympic lifting for me. (laughs) Yes. Right. I get it. Like, but yes, we have a, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I shays on. She's the one who offered me the tiger ball. <laughs> oh, really? That's funny. Oh, that's funny. All right. Yeah. So, no, speaking it's never too late. Jared, no, it's not. Our, our master's athletes, we have master's athletes 35. I think our oldest is 60, 60, 61. Not that that's the cap of the, the, the master's divisions, but um, in our age who's ever at CHFP, that's the oldest athlete, the master's athlete that we have. And they're going to work like world champ, like Liz Korshnick just won a bronze medal at the world championships. One of our team members um, last year and Ambria Watts set a master's American record in the clean and jerk in total at uh, the American open finals at the end of last year. Our masters are crushing it. They're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different level of masters. Yeah, the new, the new masters. <laughs> They're like legit. <laughs> well, Kara, I'm, I know you're hungry. I'm actually going to let you go because I just think you're, <laughs> I, I just think you're hungry and we can do this again sometime um, if you'd like, but Let's I just do. appreciate yeah. you. I think you're a rock star. Everyone go follow Kara. Um, I'm sure that the world is different now in COVID with, with the coaching and everything, but hopefully you're back to business. <laughs> We are on Monday officially. We've been doing Zoom coaching calls for three months and we're going live finally again in person on Monday. So we are all so excited. Yes, yes. Well, I love you so much. Thank you for, for coming on. And um, yeah, just, just so proud to know you, my friend. Oh, same, Meredith. And I'm so fired up about all that you've done with your book and the podcast. And I'm like, Obviously, the same 24 hours, how do you do it all? That's like, but I, I want to know how you have time to do it all. 
No, I'm not impressive. I wish people would quit telling me that. I just don't sleep. I'm, I am I, I don't sleep. So in my 24 hours, I choose not to sleep, <laughs> <laughs> which is not good. So, I mean, I actually have probably more hours than most people because most people sleep. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. No, but all right, friends. Well, I, I will just, talk I to you so soon. All right. Well, take okay. care. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.